Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories, from breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings. It's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also absolutely love hearing from you. So please do contact me through Instagram at mumsdays, M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S with any of your stories um, and any thoughts you might have on the episode or any questions. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah, and today I'm joined by Dr. Alka Patel, who is um, a lifestyle, I'm reading this from your bio, medicine physician, longevity coach, podcaster, and multi-award winning international speaker. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you for that lovely introduction. You're very welcome. I literally can't wait to speak to you because one of the main reasons we've been hooked up is because um, a friend of mine was saying, you've got to speak to Dr. Elka because I was struggling with burnout. Right. And she was telling me that you've basically completely transformed your life and your career because of this. So she was saying that like your career and chasing the letters after your name and everything that kind of led to burnout for you. Is that right? Gosh, you're taking me back, uh, back a few years. Um, and burnout is such an interesting topic because it, it affects us all in very, very different ways. And yeah, certainly for me, um, going back nearly a decade now, it affected me physically. So I woke up in a hospital bed with surgery and tubes everywhere and this was all just on the back of a simple fever simple fever that i got this week over days but i ignored it because i was so driven by what i needed to do for my work needed to be there for other other people so what i did was sort of neglect that element of my own self-care i chose to go to work with a fever of 40 Mm -hmm. i had prescriptions to results to check letters to review waiting room full of full of people and then that kind of gripped me, cut, sort of just ended up shutting down my kidneys, shutting down my liver, ended up hospitalized. And I didn't have any resilience is the key thing. I didn't have that fight in me. So that impact of burnout of the go, 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 go meant when I really needed my internal resources, I just didn't, didn't have them. And I didn't know at the time, Hannah, that this was burnout. Um, all I knew was that I was weak and I was breakable and I was incapable and it felt like a real failure but oh. now I can call it burnout but most people don't want to admit any of that and I didn't want to admit any of that I was this you know high-flying professional career woman I thought I was thriving you know there's that fine line between passion and thriving and then just crashing and I thought I was at a peak I thought I really was thriving but that's what often happens with burnout we just kind of don't see it coming mm. but really realize is we all just need a pause and then you will see it. There's so many signals, timetabling your days, you can squeeze more into it, you know, clock watching, sacrificing sleep, not asking for any help, having that kind of, you know, I can do it all, I'm really independent. And then you skip meals and you kind of don't sleep and you have these like micro sleeps when you're driving. There's so much information, so much signaling that's telling us to take a pause, step back. And we're, because we're designed to oscillate, not go, go, go. 
Um, so that was a really tough time for me. And I was very close to dying. I had near-death experiences, all those things we hear about seeing the light, etc. We don't believe them because someone else says it. I had that. And I remember my children coming to see me on my, it was my birthday, actually, when, I, when this all happened to me. Um, and I had this sense of feeling I can let go. You know, there's so much love around you. You're going to be fine with that. I mean, I was ready because my body had given up. I couldn't. I just didn't have the energy or even the will to keep going. So, and I don't think this is an unfamiliar story for people, but I think for me now, I've got this burnout scar, I've got a physical scar as well as all those sort of emotional memories to remind me of what really, really matters. And it is that chatter of my children and restful sleep and energizing activity and fresh air. And that was what then led me to kind of have a big pivot in the direction that my life is was going so yeah when you do uh, so I'm a yoga teacher and when you do yoga teacher training or certainly on the one I did we did a death ceremony so it's like you're taken to that point of like like what you literally just said there that moment of peace where you're like okay I know I'm going so what are the things that really matter in that moment and it is bizarre like you literally can feel yourself going there and being like wow all the things I was obsessing about and they literally don't matter and it's like but you how had do that we just, it, totally but you know I think like the reality is is it's so hard to disconnect from that isn't it because we still chase those things yeah. despite knowing connection matters and love matters and it's not all about money we say these things but still in our day-to-day so many of us still chase that success or we chase that validation um, and we remain driven and I think that is part of being human Um, because although we're called human beings there's a big part of us that is human doings we have a drive to do um, and that's part of you know maybe it's part of evolution and progressing the species but Mm -hmm. it's it's that it's that kind of oscillation between being and doing that is is so important and that is so challenging in this sort of 24 7 always on world that we're living in now 100 percent. it's like everything you're talking about there before you had your death ceremony was doing 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 external 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 and we're kind of brought up to be like that and to do that it's modeled all around us I don't know about you but Mm. I didn't have a lot of like watching my parents like taking time out I suppose we would do things like going for walks um but yeah certainly on a day-to-day basis it was you know a school teacher and a and a professor at a university kind of thing that's like one of those 24-7 jobs. Yeah. yeah. And I add that's not too dissimilar. I, I saw my parents working incredibly hard, but they were working so I could have yeah. life advantages. Yeah. And, you know, we also sometimes do that for our children. We did it for our children. So they have even more life advantages than, than we've had. It's all that sort of progressive nature, which in a way is 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 great because I think we do need to fuel 
by by moving forward. Um, but there's also this big craving to step out as well. Um, I remember as well um, on my 50th birthday. So you know what it's like when you hit these decades and everyone is like all about the party, like, where's the party? How are we going to celebrate? And I had a craving to step out and I ended up saying no party. And I went off on some solo travel. And I went to the mountains. It's a real calling to get into the mountains. Um, so I went to Andalusia in Spain. And I went into seven days of complete silence. So wow. I didn't speak. And in my in the beginning, you said, you know, I'm, I'm an internationally recognized speaker. So a speaker who doesn't speak was just like unheard of. But that kind of stillness and being able to listen to my own sounds really embedded a sense of, again, back to where where do I want to go in my life? What matters to me? What difference do I want want to make? And we sometimes need that stillness in order to even hear those echoes of our own voices because we sometimes don't want to hear what feels like it's the truth. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of twofold. Like if you're doing, 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 everything's outside of yourself. Everything's, you know, it's pretty obvious what you're doing. If you slow down and get in your own body, two things can happen. One is you discover you're not doing anything that you want to be doing. And the other is you find something scary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I don't want to do that because I am actually numbing out and I'm trying specifically trying not to hear what's going on inside because there's stuff I don't want to deal with. Mm. And it's scary. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a lot to be said for that. I call it innate intuition. So where my work has now taken me is into a very different space um, from being a busy GP. So I've moved from what I like to call drug pusher to life healer. And uh, I guess it kind of needs a bit of explaining. So as a GP, you know, you have 10 minutes with, with a patient and the quickest thing you could do is give them a drug you know you've got depression here's a drug you're feeling tired here's a drug you've got diabetes here's a drug um and i realized that that wasn't helping people yeah it's sort of a sick care society sick care system great it does a great job when you're really sick but what about health what is health um and i do believe that we do have this very innate intuition in terms of knowing how to how to heal and how to optimize our health and how to be at the peak of our health and stay there but it does get drowned out by by everything else. So we need to look at what is this everything else around us in this world that we're living in right now. Um, and we're living in the technological age, right? We're living in the age of tech. So what I now do is I blend that innate intuition with what I call transformative technology. And when you merge them together, you get this explosion of personalization, of really starting to understand and being driven by information and data about yourself in terms of how can I be at my peak of health? Because if you're not at the peak of your health, everything else is going to is going to kind of not be at its best either. So just really thinking about bringing those two modalities together and getting excited about health and having more fun with, with your health. Um, and that's what I love focusing on now because of that experience of reconnecting with my intuition and what's important innately we know innately we know how to eat and move and sleep and connect and feel but then how do you drive yourself to do that in a very very noisy world well how about we use technology to actually enable us let it be our tools rather than it being something that we're we are being led by we should be leading the tools that we have access to 
Mm. So you're talking like um, an app type thing? Oh, I'm talking about more than that. So we're in this age now where we can access so much personal data about us. So I do things like metabolic testing. So things like looking at, you know, all your vitamins, all your nutrients, how you're making energy, because life is energy, right? We talk about things like time management, but really what we're doing is wanting to manage our energy, because without energy, there is no human, there is no, there is no you. So how do you make sure that you don't have those energy crashes in the day that stop you being able to do the doing that you want to, uh, want to do? Um, and there's a lot around that, around sort of nutrition, and et cetera, isn't there? Um, yeah. But I also do things like looking at your genetic profile, like how are you made as a human being? Like now we can access that information, you know, 30 years ago, we couldn't. Now we've unmasked the whole human genome to a really personal level. So when I test that, um, it's very, very interesting. I ran the um, London Marathon last year. Um, and um, what was really exciting about that for me is I did some genetic profiling on myself and discovered that I've got genes for endurance. Oh. So that for me, that genetically, I'm programmed to be able to keep going. I've wow. got that in terms of endurance. And I'm less programmed just the way I'm made for strength. But just that knowledge, whilst I was running the marathon, when I had felt times when I was flagging, I was like, oh gosh, you know, that much longer to go. I was like, but you're made for this woman. You can do this, you're made. Because like I, I knew my genetic profile. So simple things like that, just knowing, right? Just yeah. helps you keep going. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, but more than that, when I talk about kind of devices as well, so I talk about data, I talk about devices, things like putting on an aura ring, for example, and tracking your sleep, uh, tracking your body temperature, knowing what to do with that information. Um, I put glucose monitors on clients so we can kind of really kind of metabolize um, really well. Things like putting on, uh, oh yeah, I've got this pair, uh, these pair, this blue block of glasses, you know, they're like pretty groovy. Oh, nice. Right? <laughs> We underestimate the power of light and we really don't give reverence to the power of light. And so, you know, exposing and not exposing yourself to light at certain periods of time makes a huge difference to your rhythms, to your energy, to your productivity, to your performance, to your focus. Um, and so bring all of these things in together and get you to that level that you you feel good and you change your physiology, like take control of your health. Don't just become a kind of passive recipient of what might be, what might be in one day wake up with diabetes or wonder why you've got that heart attack or mm -hmm. think oh, you've got heart and, and ignore it. So really taking kind of control, hacking as such, um, which uh, I love talking about um, your health. So you become the kind of master of it by using the tech, by using your intuition, by building and creating kind of lifestyle and longevity habits. And the added benefit with all of this is that you reverse aging become younger right this is amazing firstly my um my word for the year is compassion because i've been in therapy and my therapist was like your drive voice and your threat voice is very healthy <laughs> like wow. that's how i get myself to do everything so I was told that I don't have a very strong compassion voice. So whenever I do anything for my body, that should be deemed as this is good for you. It comes from a place of threat and drive and not compassion. So that's why my, my word for the year is compassion. And it's brought me back full circle to being like, you need to nourish your body. 
that's the compassionate thing to do. You need to move your body. That's the compassionate thing to do, that kind of thing. So what you were saying there really kind of reminded me of that and the fact that if we can come at it from a place of this is really good for you and receive that love from yourself and not be like you're doing this because you've been lazy for all of Christmas, um, you know, that kind of the threat yeah. voice and from a place of this is really important and it's important for you and your family um, and it will absolutely get the best out of you, then that's the place that I want to come at it from. But I'm totally fascinated about this idea of being able to optimize what you have and to reverse aging. <laughs> and I love what you just said there, Hannah, because this is again about tapping into your values. And whenever I ask my you know, clients questions like, what matters to you? What are your values? It's often this kind of blank stare because we haven't given ourselves the choice, the chance and the opportunity to really connect compassionately with that level of kindness to ourselves to really understand what does drive me? Mm. What kind of human do we show up as in the world? Um, and that level of kind of self-compassion is so important. But I think it's also this sense of having awe and amazement at what your body can do. Like, you know, whether that's, I've just gone out and felt the wind in my hair, or do you know what, I've just run a 5K, or I've just sort of, you know, stretched even further than I could last week, going, oh my God, my body can do this. Like, this is an this is amazing. When I talk about technology, I mean, look at this piece of tech, right? This body yeah. that we're, that we, everything in it is incredible I think when you go through life really thinking about the incredibleness of life that we have and the vessel that we've got to enable us to live that you really start to like you say love yourself mm. really really love so even with things like like pain so I put my back out at the moment and I'm annoyed with myself that I've done that I'm also so grateful that my body is giving me that signal of pain so that I know what I need to do next for myself. Because if it didn't give me that signal, then what would happen? I'd continue to break down. So even appreciating that, and I know, you know there's a lot of people who live with physical pain, um, but we've got to use our signals to guide us and let them act as our sort of North Star. Like, what is this pain telling me? You know yeah. what? It's telling me to just slow down or it's telling me that, I need to stretch more. It's telling me like, go sit in your chair all day whilst you're working and on Zoom calls. I stand a bit more. What's it telling me? When you start to tune in like that, again, you will automatically put your compassionate arm around yourself, don't you? Yeah. Whereabouts in your back is it? Uh, left lower back. Mm. Lower back. Try doing some abs. You're gonna get yoga pose. <laughs> Do some abs. <laughs> We always say you need to engage your core because that helps support the lower back. <laughs> I mean, you know all this. No, and and you're, you're you're spot on. So I was at the gym gym this morning, and it was exactly that. Like I couldn't do any kind of hip thrust to, because all of that was so weird, and the, the core was connected to the back, and I could completely feel that as I was trying to trying to do that. So uh, I would take your advice, Hannah. Absolutely, <laughs> thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> now tell me how to be younger. <laughs> How can you be younger? So first of all, it's knowing where you're at now. But part of all of this kind of, you know, data that I'm talking about and thinking about what information, what informatics can you get from your body? The first thing, of course, is to know how old you are, right? So if you want to be younger, like, actually, how old are you? Um, and again, the, the thing most people do is 
talk about their chronological age. So yeah. the you know number of suns and sunsets you see, and that really isn't a true representation of your age because we the aging process is is on a velocity. It's a, it's a speed thing. So you can now measure, and this is again the amazing time that we're living in. You can now measure your biological age. So that is the first thing I'm a real advocate of just understanding that number for yourself. It's one number, but it's very telling. And once you've got that number, you'll know which direction you want to sort of take that in. So I've seen many, many people, you know, in their 30s, in their 40s with biological ages of 67, 77, and that wow. shock reaction. It's like a it's, a, it's like a grief reaction. There's this denial, initial kind of denial and disbelief, and then this sort of anger about it, and then this kind of acceptance that, right, you know what? I can do something about this. And it's focusing on on your lifestyle, really thinking about, um, so things like that we know can help to reverse aging. Um, what's really important to think about is stress. So we talked about burnout at I the know. beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and stress we often view very, very negatively. And when it is very chronic, yes, and it's ongoing and it's relentless, it does have very, very negative impacts on your health. But we also need to put our bodies under stress in order to trigger our survival genes so we've got these lovely families of genes that get activated in scarcity and get deactivated in abundance so if you're for example eating all day long because you've got access to food now that's so easy our ancestors didn't they didn't eat all day long we now potentially can then your body's not really in survival mode whereas if you do something like intermittent fasting eating within what I like to call a time connected window. So you connect your eating with time. Then your body is like, oh, I don't have food coming with me all day long. I'm going to switch on these survival genes and those then reverse your biological age. So that's a really, really lovely way of getting into the pattern um, of eating. Um, And it's also about trusting your body. So whenever, you know, I, I, I talk about this and teach this, it's like, trust your liver. Your liver knows what to do in order to keep you energized. You're not going to to collapse and feel de-energized if you don't eat every two hours or if you don't eat, wake up, or if you don't have a, you know, a late dinner. Your liver knows how to make energy for you. Just trust it, but let it get used to it. Let it get used to your patterns because we're governed by these circadian rhythms, aren't we? The sort of sunset, sunlight, the sort of day, day clock. So we've got to learn to how to tune into that. So um, how do you reverse aging? One, if you're not already, really think about sort of time connected eating um there's a way to do that um, do you have a time lot- period that you prefer like eight for to me eight or um, yeah for me i'm in a rhythm of of 12 to 8 so i wake up and i have a glass of lemon water so I have half a pint of lemon water um, and then I usually in the mornings, I, that's when I kind of like to exercise and wake my um, wake my body up. Um, and then I don't eat a, a, my first meal until midday. And I'm not craving. I'm not hungry. I'm just ready by then. Um, and will so you drink coffee so or? No, I'm not. Um, I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, used to love tea and i do have coffee it's not that i don't have it i could have it later but i'm not someone who needs to wake up in the morning and go oh my god where's my coffee i can't wait possibly wake up without coffee and if that is you you know really think about why is that what's going on with your sleep is kind of something to really think about prioritizing because the biggest way to age is to sabotage your sleep if you want to reverse aging prioritize your sleep we know that people die early if they haven't slept um, you know, if you're getting 
five, six hours sleep a night and it's continuously that or less, um, you are shedding years off your life. There's plenty of research and data to, to support that. So you've got to kind of find your bite point. Please mm-hmm. don't go less than six. Six, seven, eight, nine, you know, there's a sweet spot somewhere in there. Again, I love to be guided by data, um, but if you haven't got access to that, you know, really think about, am I reaching for that morning coffee? Like there's something off with my sleep. Am I kind of, you know, feeling a, a crash in the middle of the day? What's that about? Maybe that's related to my sleep. So um, I think, uh, I mean, coffee's fine. Caffeine's got some really great benefits um, as well. So the caffeinic acid in in coffee has got some very, very strong sort of um, immune responsive benefits um, as well. So it's um, it's a good thing to drink, but it's thinking about the timing um, and how much um, as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, kind of yeah, my timing is sort of 12 till, till eight. I used to be, oh my God, the one thing I love is eating in bed. When you like, wake up, not, uh, no, at night in the oh, okay. in the night. So that's something I've had to kind of shift significantly. There's kind of I when I grew up, as I was growing up, my mum would always bring me breakfast in bed. So eating in bed for me was something super comforting. Yeah, it takes me right back to when I was was really little. So I've always had that, and so I kind of as an adult, getting into bed at night and having something to eat was just felt so comforting so that's something i've worked really hard to break that that association with um every now and again my sort of husband leaves me a little chocolate on the pillow so i kind of like come on you know <laughs> don't help me it's a very cute it's a it's a very uh, cute gesture so uh, that's really sweet but no otherwise that's that's the one thing i've kind of in my 12 to 8 it's that foraging at night um that for me has been kind of more difficult but I'm used to it now, you know, it's it's less so. Um, but you know what, sometimes when you feel like doing something that's out of your normal rhythm, do it. You know, sometimes that pressure of denying yourself something is less compassionate. It takes away from that kind of kindness to, to yourself. So yeah, of course, sometimes I will eat in bed and sometimes I will have that chocolate from my, from my pillow. I think life, you know, we need to be able to be really, really flexible with it and too much rigidity um, also kind of adds stress and physiologically doesn't do any good, particularly from a longevity perspective um, as well. So some stress is good, other stress is not. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. And again, you've got to find your bite points. So again, monitoring, knowing. How do you know? Even going to the gym or exercising, most people go, you know, go further faster, lift more, like be, get even, you know, more, more weights, more is better. More is not always better, hmm. specifically from an aging perspective, you've got to hit that, you know, that Goldilocks spot, not too much, not too little, but just the right, the right amount. And you can only do that really by tracking, really by, again, you know, tracking your data, tracking your your information um, and using all of that to your advantage. We've got to use this time um, to our advantage. So, um, yeah, the kind of less is more is also an important phenomenon. Yeah. And I suppose you need to know what kind of person you are like and what's teetered into addiction um and something that you're heavily reliant upon that you know like mm-hmm. say for example you were addicted to eating in bed you might go for me to stop doing this like it has to be a flat no no chocolates on pillows because it'll send me straight back there <laughs> yeah yeah and that's really interesting you saying that because um lots of people are all or nothing I'm um, all when or it nothing. comes to yeah and I think and I'm pretty all or nothing um as well you know I can I can rarely just have one sweet from a packet like before I know it the 
whole thing is devoured. So yeah. I'd rather not have have. Um, and I'm always saying this to my my mom as well. Like her love language is food, um, and she'll bring all sorts of foods into the house. And like, if, if please don't bring it into the house because if it's in the house, the only one who's going to devour it is me. Right. Yeah. So it's also controlling that environment um, around you that's uh, that's really important um, as well. Um, so yeah, when I um, I once I didn't tell you this little story, but after my burnout and that kind of period of discovery, um, I had a calling to get on a plane and go and do some voluntary work, just felt like I needed just that space. Um, so I went off to India, um, where I, and I didn't speak the language in the particular part that I went to, and I was looking after you talking about death, I was looking after people at the end of their life um, out there, um, and learned an incredible amount, and met a man who was 106 years old. And this is where I, my connection to longevity um, and lifestyle kind of really got embedded, because how did he do that? And it was all about connecting and social connection, yeah. feeling belonging, being part of something, moving all the time, eating in, in the right way and sleeping, you know, all those kind of natural things I've already talked about. And that's what I wanted to bring back to the UK when I um, when I came here. Um, but the reason I brought this up now was when I got on the plane, I got on the plane eating meat. And when I got off the plane, I got off a vegetarian and I haven't eaten any meat since then I've been a vegetarian um now for what was that sort of nearly, nearly over five years now um and it had to be all or nothing for me it wasn't a you know meat-free Monday it was either I'm going to go all in or I'm or I'm all out I started thinking I'd be a bit of a flexitarian and you know kind of have meat when I wanted it or not not want it didn't want to put any impose any kind of rigidity but realized that I don't actually even want it anymore and just stopped and that was my all or nothing um, mm. as well. So do you feel like that's a good route for everyone to take or is it just something that you no. felt was good for you? Yeah. Yeah, and not for everybody. I think some people do need a transition. So, you know, transitioning to say a more plant slant to eating a more plant-based slant is great. You know, start by changing one thing, change, change your milks, just see how that feels, that, that kind of embed if that's something that's you know important for you for you or your family or start with you know one day that you're uh, adding increased diversity of, of vegetables and beautiful colors onto your onto your plate and having no meat and you know just kind of those transitions are important for some for some people um things like alcohol as well some people do need to be all or nothing and you mentioned kind of just know your personality um have a conversation with somebody to kind of unravel that and others, you know, they do well just by reducing, just by being more mindful, mm-hmm. um, making kind of active, active choices, being really intentional. Um, and I think that comes back to what we talked about earlier about values. You know, what kind of, what are your values and how are you going to show up with those um, in the world um, is really, really key. So, yeah, I think everything has to be individualized. You know, there is no one route um, for everybody at all. There's no one, one design fix all. Definitely. But just going back to the meat thing, do you think we need to cut it out of our diets as a rule? Or is it just more about creating more space for vegetables? Um, a bit of both. So again, I would say, you know, the, the, the stronger plant slant you can have, the better for your health. Um, but be guided by, by your own, making sure you're meeting your nutritional needs. We still, okay. we talk about carbohydrates, fats and, we, and a lot of meat of course is saturated fat um affects your heart health affects all sorts of things even how you cook meat um they release something called ages 
uh, which is advanced glycation end products. And I know <laughs> the that word sound good. Like. <laughs> and it and it isn't because the ages also age. They start to impact on your on your DNA, on your immune system, on your ability to sort of repair. Um, so lots of negative effects from just the way that you even cook meat, let alone everything that happens from from eating it. Um, so um, I am an advocate of, of a, a stronger plant slant. I do think we need to add diversity and have more vegetables. I do a lot of gut health testing um, as well. And when you look at now, with people talking about the microbiome, lots mm. of bacteria that are in our gut because they're all there for a reason and so we need to feed them in order for them to be able to fuel us so if we're not giving them the right substrate that they're going to be able to feast on then we're doing ourselves a disservice and missing out on all of their byproducts um, which are you know again super important for um, brain health um, cognitive performance focus um, for example um, so there's there's a lot um, a lot there we could do a whole conversation about about your gut <laughs> um, as well advance but um, but yeah I am I am a strong advocate um, for that but I also believe we need to meet people where they are yeah. um, so I'd support you on that on that journey this isn't about alienating you it's not about restricting you this is about you kind of connecting with with how you eat when you eat and why you eat do you eat to live or live to eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, this has been absolutely fascinating. I was going to ask if you could finish off by kind of giving us um, maybe like three tips that we could start doing now, which will have a positive and lasting impact on well-being and longevity. Oh, three tips. Okay, so I think we've touched on a, on a, on a few things. Um, the first thing I would say is know where to start. Because when it comes to where in my lifestyle do I start? Do I, we talked about a lot already, Hannah. Like, is it my sleep? Is it my food? Should I kind of, you know, make sure I'm exercising? And it gets so overwhelming. Yeah. So my first tip is, don't be overwhelmed. Know where to start. And the reason I say this is because I've already also um, created a tool that can help you know where to start. Um, so I call it my LQ test. So it's a little bit like the IQ for your cognitive intelligence and your EQ for your emotional intelligence. This is your LQ for your lifestyle. So it's just a simple questionnaire. It's on my website, drarthur.com. Um, we'll and it looks that. at all the key factors in your lifestyle that affect longevity and affect your health. And it will tell you by the way you ask the questions where to start. Oh so God. if it highlights that sleep is where you need to start, then start there. Mm-hmm. Deal with the big, big rock. Um, so that's that's my first um, tip is know where to start. Don't guess where to start. Just absolutely find out. Um, and then um, three things that I always talk about when it comes to longevity are sugar, sleep, and stress. Mm. So three things are very, very key. So if we start with sugar, again, um, has a huge impact on your metabolism, insulin, hunger, weight, um, heart health, all sorts of things. So really look at processed foods, hidden sugars, and be conscious and mindful of minimizing those. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that I would suggest. And then if you can um, and want to, very happy for people to contact me, put a CGM on, put a continuous glucose monitor on. It's a game changer. Uh, I think it's it's one of the biggest things for 
2024 and really starting to, to track your sugar responses. You and I can eat the same bowl of, of pasta and have a totally different response. It doesn't mean we should go around saying, no carbs, carbs are evil. You know, we, we shouldn't be doing that. We should really understand your own profiling. So, but all the hidden sugars, all of us should absolutely be kind of minimizing um, for sure, tracking or no tracking. So that's kind of sugar. Um, sleep, I've already said, is avoid that scroll on socials at mm. night, uh, you know, one more, one more episode of Netflix. I promise it's just one more. So, you know, again, be really mindful of getting in good quality sleep. And if you are waking up unrefreshed, if you're reaching for that morning coffee, if you're having a crash kind of mid-morning, it's a real signal to you to tell you that to prioritize your sleep. So, um, so that's super important. And use the light to help that. Because some people might say, but I want to sleep, but I can't sleep. Get out in the morning light, even if you spend 60 seconds out in the daylight first thing in the morning, because the body needs to know the differential between night and day in order to kind of trigger your melatonin and the right hormones. So step out into the morning light, let the body know that it's daylight and don't just be under office lights or home lights all day. And then at night time, go the opposite is, you know, really dim out. Don't have all that blue light coming at you mm. um, from your phone's your gadgets and if you want some you know greedy glasses then <laughs> that's going to be uh, I mean yeah I want those well. <laughs> um, and then the third thing was was stress um, of course um, so um, I want to talk about stress in a positive light so if you haven't already shifted think about shifting into intermittent fasting um, as we spoke, spoke about there's lots of other ways breath control breath holds um, ice bath, sauna, infrared lights, there's lots of other ways, but we've talked about intermittent fasting, so it'd be a good way to start. So if that's not something you're familiar with, just start by having breakfast an hour later or having dinner an hour earlier. Let yourself get used to that and then just continue to shift until this just feels comfortable and part of your lifestyle. So don't go don't go all or nothing on this one, just start gradually and allow yourself to get used to, to that as well. So those would be, um, my yeah three key tips that's amazing thank you so much absolutely fascinating conversation and um i feel like that's really doable as well like it's that idea of we can be consistent um and in in introducing something that's doable every day rather than being like i've got this mountain to climb exactly Exactly. Yeah. Small steps, big impact. You're huge. It's all about habits. You know, you just this beautiful rhythm where so much just feels automatic and, mm. and easy. And the only way to make that happen is those one percent increments and just start slow and build. Lovely. Oh, thank you so so much for coming on and trying to me today. I really appreciate it. And we will link oh, to your great. L test, like LQ, an I, LQ. LQ test. That's it. Yeah, amazing. Okay, thank you so much. All right then, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah Harvey. It would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you have a friend who might enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me either through Instagram at Mumsdays or my website mumsdays.com. 